my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We continue today in the readings, the passages from the book of uh, Genesis, where we have uh, the very, the very first words of uh, Scripture, literally opening the very first page of the Bible, where we are reading about the work of creation. This beautiful passage that is worthwhile going over slowly. We have here what Pope Francis in his uh, encyclical Lumen Fide calls, he calls uh, the foundational memory of the church, the foundational texts that uh, tradition has preserved and handed on in a living way through the sacraments and in particular in the context uh, of the liturgy. That's why the church wants us to go over this beautiful passage of the creation account within the liturgy, within the liturgy, within the mass. And we, we see today how the divine persons are actively engaged in that crucial moment. Yesterday, in the readings, we heard how the Spirit of God was a kind of a wind that was hovering over the waters, the breath of God careening over the sea. And then, suddenly, with an impulse, it entered into that water. The water was simply water. It was just like a, like a, almost like a glass surface. No life, just, just no, just nothing there. And then the spirit entered. And in fact, we use these words in the Easter vigil when we bless the baptismal water to suggest that this water now that we are blessing, just like the spirit will will also infuse souls when they receive baptism. But it's, it's always struck me as a wonderful image, this image of the Spirit hovering over the waters, almost anxiously desirous to sanctify that water that would become for us the source of life. We need, we need water from a mere physical point of view, but also, of course, the source of communicating supernatural life through baptism. In fact, in the, in the prologue to John's Gospel, we read how Christ was the Word, was with God, and that the Word was God, and was in the beginning with God. In that, in that beginning there, that 
we are recounting uh, in today's readings. And all these things, he says, came through him, and without him, without him there could be nothing. Before this, there was just, there was just like nothing. These precious words of revelation that the church preserved, and not only preserved, but sought to savor again and again and again. Indeed, our, our brothers, the, the people of Israel, have savored those over generations, passed them on, probably mere oral tradition for centuries, and then some wrote parts of it down. Some have been miraculously uh, preserved, literally some of the preservations of the texts themselves, the papyrus uh, or the papyrus, it's quite a miracle how they have come down to us, like the, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. When you think about their age and how old really they are, and that they were left in caverns for so many centuries. And um, but this this passage really has to awaken us something special, especially when we read this. In today, right in the middle of today's uh, reading of, of the first reading, where okay, the the text, uh, God said, "Let let the waters teem with an abundance of living creatures." Okay, so now all these animals and these well, these animals, these fish, and they're teeming. It's it's alive, right? And then God said, "Let let the earth bring forth all kinds of living creatures, cattle, creeping things." Wild animals of all kinds, kind of nat National Geographic right now. We're just seeing, you know, all these bizarre animals and uh, close-ups of the tongue sticking out. I don't know, you know, but... And so it happened that God made all kinds of wild animals, all kinds of cattle, all kinds of creeping things on the earth. And God saw how it was good. Just like as you're sitting back watching the National Geographic, you thought, that's so cool. And then there's like a pause. Then God said, let us make man in our image. He doesn't say that before. He doesn't say, let us make animals. Let us make the creeping creatures. He doesn't say that before. Now he says, let us. It's the, the plural that has long been seen as the Blessed Trinity in a, almost like a local council meeting getting together, right? It's, there's a break, there's a change of tone, there's a pause, a moment, a moment in which God, the Trinity, seems to stop, seems to look at itself, and each person in the Blessed Trinity there is in, intimately involved. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the cattle, and over all the wild animals, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground. There's like a, a sense of dominion, sense of control over all this wildness, all this crazy, all these crazy animals. God created man in his image, in the image, in the divine image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
God blessed them, saying, Be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the living things that, that move on the earth. This, of course, is a reference to the stewardship that God wants us to have for creation itself, not the absolute unbridled control of power, but uh, the stewardship, yes, over the environment, but also among ourselves and over our own lives. We are collaborators, stewards of God's will, and we can deliberately thereby enter into God's plan in our life by our actions, by our prayers, by our, by our sufferings, the way we endure hardships. Even there, we are not simply victims or simply passive recipients. We are, in a marvelous way, we are stewards. So as we do our prayer this morning, we realize, Lord, you have given me this immense responsibility of my world, of my life, of my divine vocation, of my supernatural family that I am in now, the very circumstances that you have entrusted to me today, the circumstances here where I am, in my work, in my family, in in, in the very, the cold that we are, we are faced with that too, in, in many ways is we are entrusted with, with it. In this stewardship. And that dominion, that stewardship will in some way be exercised today too. Today. Today, in the way first we go to Mass and then because, Lord, you have created us in your image. And more and more, as we mature and advance, we come to see more and more that image in others as well. We have to represent it to ourselves as we see it in others. So we have to see, really, today, let's ask, Lord, help me, Lord, to see Christ in others and to be really Christ-like, reflecting your image. I'm made in your image. The way I behave is going to either exacerbate that or, or, or cloud that image, or it's going to make it more clear. Am I going to be one that makes the fact that I'm made in the image of God very clear, very, let's call it that, almost obvious? Or am I going to obfuscate that or cloud that, that image? How is that going to happen? Well, no doubt today we will all have one challenge or another. Maybe there will be some form of stress, some form of setback, some form of tiredness, pain that I have to face. But I ask you, Lord, now to give me the grace and the strength to nevertheless, in front of all those challenges, reflect that image in which I am made. That I am, of course, a son of God, but I am made in your image. 
And therefore, we know that those challenges, that work that I have, that screen time that I'm going to have to face, that we all are going to face, even the very phone that I'm going to look at or not look at, can it be an opportunity of growth to be more in that image, a better son, <coughs> to really ratchet up our gaze towards what is going to make me come closer to being a son, to being made in your image. Let's go back to this often. Why am I doing this work? Why should I be more focused or more concentrated? How I have to avoid all those distractions or be at least aware of the distractions that I may be uh, assailed with. Maybe we can go back to those foundations in our very work. Kevin Majors, Dr. Kevin Majors often talks about this very uh, helpful tool to reframe. He says that in optimal work, probably if there's one concept, if people understand, then they've understood everything. And that is the concept of uh, reframing. But he, he recognizes that the very idea of reframing can be seen in our father's phrase when our father says, and he himself discovered it when he was a very young, I presume a teenager, when our father says, don't say that person bothers me or annoys me, say that person sanctifies me. That is a form of reframing, changing the view of what annoys us or bothers us in some way and see it as an occasion of becoming more, entering more into that image of God. But for that to happen, our, our mind has to be in the right place. It has to be like those waters. It has to be still. It has to be not agitated with the peripheries, with secondary things. It has to be focused. It's, it's kind of funny that, that man himself comes after all those living, creeping things, that all those fish in the sea. I picture all the fish moving around, the agitation that seems to be suggested when, we, when it says uh, that the earth brings forth all kinds of living creatures, living cattle, creeping things, and wild animals of all kinds. And, and you get, a, you get the, the sense of uh, animals uh, hollering out and birds chirping of all kinds. And, and then comes man, and it's like calm. There is a... There's a remarkable passage in the breviary from a few days ago from a father, I suppose he's a father of the church, anyway, a saint, Saint Diadokus of Fotice. Like, who on earth is that? I've never heard of this guy. Diadokus of Fotice. Of course, I know you all know perfectly well who he is, but um, he is from the 5th century, so he... He lived between 400 and 480 or so. He was a mystic, which I had to find out because I didn't know about this guy, but he was a theologian who helped refute some of the Christological heresies and upheld the teachings of the Council of Chalcedon. Uh, 
and he became, well, Bishop of Fotice in northwestern Greece. And his writings always emphasize this stillness, this rest, this quiet that is necessary to have true supernatural insight and supernatural growth, that we need this calm, just as this calm comes here after all these creeping things. And the excerpt that we have is surely part of that tradition of this, this calm that he always seems to refer to, and uh, especially necessary in our very hectic times uh, where most people are, are really struggling to be more reflective. And this is what he says. Therefore, we must maintain great stillness of mind, even in the midst of our struggles. We shall then be able to distinguish between the different types of thoughts that come to us, those that are good, sent, sent, those sent by God, we will treasure in our memory those that are evil. Sorry, sorry, those that we were sent by God that are in our memory and those that are evil inspired by the devil that we will reject. He says, and this is a nice image that he gives, a comparison with the sea may help us. A tranquil sea allows the fishermen to gaze right into its depths. No fish can hide there and escape his sight. The stormy sea, however, becomes murky when it is agitated by the winds. The very depth, depths that it revealed in its placidness, the sea now hides. The skills of the fishermen are useless. You can't see on the agitated sea on the agitated waters. I saw that the other day on the Rouge River, skating on the Rouge River, there were places that were agitated and very difficult to skate on, but there were places next to a bridge that were like glass, and you could actually look down into the water. There were no fish there, but, uh, but you could look down. And so today we ask you, Lord, help me to have a still mind when I work. In, in my plan for today, in front of any agitation, maybe my emotions, maybe if I experience some form of sadness, which is also, also a form of agitation. We can try in a particular way to live better that, that silence, that we could call it holy silence, that quiet, quiet time the quiet time in the afternoon. Do I, did I live this yesterday? Quiet time in the afternoon. The way I worked. The way I did the nighttime. We are right now still in the nighttime. Am I conscious of this? Our Father said silence is the doorkeeper of the interior life, the doorkeeper to that inner world that world that can get quite agitated, unfocused, flighty, superficial, and even sometimes even overwhelmed by anxiety or even by sadness. 
we can make that resolution now that as soon as uh, as soon as we finish with the snack we do the exam we do the snack immediately well I'm gone I'm going I'm not even going to touch my phone no more as we say pollution of the screen as Pope Francis has said we look at today's gospel and, and we see how the Pharisees they seem to be the opposite of this serenity, of this calm, of this quiet silence. When they seem to be getting so upset and agitated, tied in a knot over the cleaning of hands. It was an external pa- practice that, uh, that, you know, that Mark talks about here, that uh, there any time you undertook anything, you had to clean your hands. Like the whole sanitization that can become very obsessive. That people come in here and and they sanitize their hands at every second. And well, we have to do it for the reasons we have to do it for the pandemic, of course. But here in today's gospel, the Lord points out to their anxiety and their superficiality. They seem to be. Um, too agitated to look deeper into the very purpose of these traditions. Our Lord says this, quoting from Isaiah, of course, but he says, this this people honors me with their lips. And the very nature of lips is that they move. They just move. Yes, they produce a sound, but to to honor somebody with their lips is, is simply a reference to their to their superficiality, their lack of integrity. It doesn't go inside. Their mistake consisted of simply concentrating on the externals, not really giving pride of place to the interior purity of the heart. And maybe that can happen to us, that we get the norms done, we get the externals done. And um, and we just like, you know, get it done. I mean, that, that was the case with the prayers of the, of, the, of the Jews sometimes and, and their dietary regulations. They just had to get the, get the words done. If you just said the words, you, you did it. Maybe that could happen to us too. We just say the Our Father. We just, I don't know, the, the, the visit, the way we very, you know, even coming in from supper or, or from lunch or something or from doing the, to do the visit, we have to, we have to, Calm, you have to be like still waters. Breathe, mindfulness. Well, if we go back to Diadokus, he says, of course, he, he uses this image of the still waters to, mit, to permit us to see into the depths carefully and to discern and to ponder what is true, what is, what is good, what is beautiful. And we have to cultivate this, he says, externally and internally. Just the way we walk up the stairs or walk down the stairs. Because silence, quiet time, if you like, doesn't just happen. It has to be actively engaged. And maybe we can think about what we can perhaps unplug more during upcoming Lent if it's using the phone less, using the earbuds less. Fotice says, 
Only the Holy Spirit can purify the mind. Unless a strong man enters and robs the thief, the thief, the, bo the booty will not be recovered. So by every means, but especially by peace of soul, we must try to provide the Holy Spirit with a resting place. Then we shall have the light of knowledge shining within us at all times. And it will show up for what they are. And it will show up for what they are, all the dark and hateful temptations that come from demons. And not only will it show them up, exposure to this holy and glorious light will also greatly diminish their power. So let's ask for, for that tranquility, that serenity. And let's not forget that one way we can do that is through one of the acts of mercy. The spiritual acts of mercy is simply to be patient, to be patient. It's a it's an expression of compassion, of kindness, and uh, I think it was St. Paul who says we have to clothe ourselves with patience. That in itself will help us uh, to be more serene. We can ask this of Fotice, our new, newly discovered uh, saint, to help us be like those still waters and to live that mindfulness more effectively. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.